focusing on stories and issues impacting Kentucky. This is The Commonwealth Matters. The Commonwealth Matters is a production of the Commonwealth Policy Foundation. We're a nonprofit public policy group that's helping Kentuckians value life, protect natural marriage, defend religious liberty, and promote fiscal integrity. To learn more about our work and find helpful resources, visit commonwealthmatters.org. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter. This summer will be three years that same-sex marriage has been legal in the U.S. Issues connected to the LGBT community and gender identity are still in the news on a consistent basis. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Glenn Stanton from Focus on the Family to help us understand some terms and see how they're affecting society. If you have to leave the program early, please know that you can go find it at commonwealthmatters.org and you can hear it there in its entirety. Well, Glenn, thank you for joining us uh, here on the Commonwealth Matters. Oh, you bet, Brandon. Good to be with you. Thank you. As we come to this issue, um, there are a number of different directions we want to go in thinking through it. But, but first for folks, let's just talk about what is the difference between sex and gender identity? Well, that is an important question because there is a difference, and I mean most common sense people know there's a difference, and generally it has been a grammatical thing, you know? You use the term gender when you, you know, don't want to use the word sex, um, and, you know, like, sex is usually about people of two different genders, you mm-hmm. know, you, you'd use it that way, um, but what it has been meant today is that these are two different things, that sex is what your body is, and gender is what your mind understands about yourself, as they say, and it's a stupid little phrase, is sex what's between your legs, and then uh, gender is what is between your ears, in your head. And what we need to know is there is no scientific discovery or psychological discovery, you know, objective that says these two things are different things. They are based purely on gender studies ideology. And so I refuse, and we here at Focus on the Family, and I would encourage others to refuse to play along with that game that they are two different things. Now, you know, the other part of that that we need to understand is, yes, you're a male, I'm a male, we're both males in different ways, you know. Mm-hmm. You're, I've met you before, you're this hunky, hyper-masculine, you know, the ideal of manhood. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not quite that way. I'm, I'm you know, more of a, a Nancy boy. I don't know about that. I don't think that's quite true. <laughs> but no, I, I use that as just an illustration. There are lots of different ways to be a man, mm-hmm. and we understand ourselves differently, but that doesn't mean that, well, I can be a man in my body and a woman in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that's a psychological issue. So those who, you know, make this distinction that, that sex is this thing and gender is that thing, um, it has no rootedness in anything objectively real. They want it to be that way simply because they've declared it that way. And we just should refuse to play along with that. Mm-hmm. And so so when, when folks speak in those terms, they're ultimately 
not ultimately, but they're also including in that, that your sex is, you, you're born that way, but right. then your gender identity, you know, in the LGBT community, they believe that that gender identity could change uh, throughout your lifetime. Well, yes, absolutely. And I mean, and a crazy thing about this, Brandon, and I've asked gender theorists this way is, I mean, and when I gave, give a talk, I'll say, I could legitimately, according to LGBT theory, I could change my gender three times from the beginning of this talk to the end of this talk, and nobody can say that I can't mm -hmm. because it exists purely in my mind. I mean, that's just, that's absolute madness, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what it is, is it's not only a subjective thing, it is inherently a subjective thing. Nobody can tell me that I'm not and uh, that I'm not what I say I am. And that's where you get into problems with, you know, transgender bathrooms and things like that. Target found out that a man can just walk into a woman's bathroom and all he has to do is say he's a woman and nobody can question him or challenge him according to LGBT theory because it's all in his mind. Mm -hmm. And again, Target can't question him, well, you look like a man. He just simply needs to respond, well, tell me what a man looks like. You can't know who I am in my gender. And it is madness. Mm -hmm. It's madness. And that's exactly where our culture is. So people need to understand when they use sex and gender um, you know, interchangeably, mm -hmm. and maybe their kids or others say, no, 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 you don't understand the difference between sex and gender. And you go, no, I understand the difference in terms of gender theory, and I just refuse to accept it. That's what I'll do on my talks on college campuses. And you just say it boldly and unapologetically. Mm -hmm. and it, it makes them mad, like, you can't understand this. And you just say, you know what, there is no science, there is no objectivity that is the basis for what you're saying. And I just simply reject to, uh, I, I refuse to accept it. Hmm. Um, and it, it kind of drives them crazy, but there's nothing they can say about it. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's not, that rejection is not true across the board. I mean, and, and in professional organizations like the American Psychological Association, I mean, we're seeing a real transition and it's been a quick transition from the mid nineties and, and to about 2013, the way that they view, um, you know, gender transgenderism, um, all these th components of the LGBT movement. Yes, no. And that's right. And they will list out all these professional psychological and even medical organizations that go along with this. And they have, I mean, this is very clear for people to understand. They have not gone along with it because some scientific discovery. They have gone along with it because of intense lobbying pressure within those organizations from gay activists to and trans activists to make that change. And so they have, and they've simply done so sort of out of, pol of a political correctness and a fashionableness. Um, it's, it's not a scientific or research-based kind of change. Hmm. Um, how do we see that, um, the, the effects of that around us um, in society, um, uh, that acceptance, the fact that, that it is being um, 
almost forced to be treated as normal. Um, An example, you know, our our family, one of the shows that that we've enjoyed watching in the last couple of years is is a show called Timeless on NBC. Um, Mm. It's a a time travel show. And it's interesting how one of the main characters, um, this has happened at least twice, where she's gone back in the past, encountered someone who, you know, is a homosexual um, who would identify today in the LGBT community. And she's gone out of her way to talk to them about how you're not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with you is kind of the, wow. the line that, that she has used. And, and I'm sitting there with, with my children and, and realizing that, you know, that was very intentionally written into the script of this show. Even, even this twist in the plot of the show was very intentional. And the intent is, is educational, you know, it's to make that impression on the viewer in our family. And, and it's caused us to really think through whether or not we can continue watching this show on our, yeah. on our children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and, and you took that teachable moment to explain to them. And, you know, one of the things that I find curious about that is that the protestation, if you will, of the scene itself, you know, you have to understand that you're normal. Well, if this is a normal thing, they would have certainly understood it was normal back then. Mm. Um, you know, if it is a natural kind of thing, just like left-handedness or right-handedness, like, you know, people say today, but it has only become, quote-unquote, normalized today through, you know, intense political and ideological pressure. So, you know, the case that, oh, this is normal sort of proves the fact that it's not. You just, you know, you just have to keep telling yourself again and again that, that this is normal. But, you know, your overall question, yes, we are facing tremendous pressure. I mean, there are states considering laws. Businesses have um, business policies that you have to use the pronouns, proper pronouns, as they say, for somebody who identifies as a different gender. And sometimes, you know, a he, you have to call her she, you have to call her by her or him, you know, by his female name. And then sometimes they even want to be called, you know, by plural pronouns, Mm -hmm. they. And like, no, I'm not going to use the English language in an improper way because of, you know, your self-understanding. That doesn't mean we have to be mean, Mm -hmm. but... You know, this is a freedom of speech thing in that you can play that pretend game that you think you're a woman, and you can do that at work and, you know, quote-unquote, God bless you and hope it works out well for you, but don't expect me to play along in your illusion. Um, And that is a very dangerous thing when we are being forced by legal policy to... You know, if we don't use the, the, the pronouns that they want us to use, that we could be in, in, in big problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I know um, from talking with you, from, from building a relationship, um, as we've discussed this topic on the Commonwealth Matters before, as folks has, have listened um, and heard us talk about this with you and with other guests, I, I want to just make sure folks understand our tone that, that even as we talk about um, the fact that we don't believe this is to be normalized in society, it also doesn't mean that we would just shun LGBT people either. Right, right. 
And that's exactly right. I mean, everybody that you meet, everybody that you come in contact with exists because God created that individual because they, he wants them to exist. He loves them. He cares for them. He crafted them, you know, carefully with his, um, with his hands, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, God's, you know, of course, not physical, but that imagery. And so we do have to honor and, um, and, and love and care for and respect um, all people. But that does not mean, you know, in any stretch, that we have to go along with and agree with what it is they believe. I mean, you know, Brandon, you know this. That doesn't exist in any other part of life, mm-hmm. you know. I'm a vegan, and if you can't understand veganism and respect my veganism mm-hmm. and play along with my veganism, then you hate me, then you're bigoted. Or, you know, I believe in, in abortion, and if you don't agree with me on abortion, then you hate me. Mm-hmm. Um, we understand that people can care for one another and love one another and still disagree on issues. But this is the only issue that if you don't agree, that if you don't go along with me, then you will be slimed publicly, and that means you hate me and that you're bigoted. You know, we need to love the person. We need to care for the person. But I tell you what, do not be patient with that kind of thing, this this forcing that if you don't agree with me, then you're bigoted. I have no patience for that whatsoever. And you share it lovingly, and you say, you know what, I, I completely reject that. You tell the person that. But you say it respectfully, but you say it forcefully as well. Mm. Um, I am letting you be the person that you are. I can't tell you what to do. I can't make you be, be behave like I do. And you can't expect the same thing of me either. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, these folks used to live in the, you know, the liberal ideal was, you know, kind of live and let live. Now it's, it's no, you have to see everything like I see it, and you have to play the game of life exactly like I play it. And if you don't, we will either slime you and your reputation, or we will publicly prosecute you with the full force of the law. I mean, that's insane that we're having that in America. So yes, always, always, always treat the person with absolute respect and care, but always treat the issues itself with absolute love. That's you know, the primary point that I make in my book, Loving My LGBT Neighbor, which helps us navigate these issues well in truth and love. Hmm. Well, we're going to talk about some of those issues and their implications that will happen when we come back. We hope that you can stay with us for more of The Commonwealth Matters. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters.
Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter. Dr. Glenn Stanton from Focus on the Family is with us in this program as we are talking about uh, the implications of uh, personal identities. We're talking about the normalization and its impact um, of the LGBT movement. Specifically, we've seen that here in Kentucky recently, um, and, and we, we know that there will be more instances where uh, businesses and, and individuals are, are uh, they, have, they come to a crossroads of having to make some hard decisions. And so, uh, Dr. Stanton, as we begin to think about this, um, we've talked in the first segment sort of about the evolving nature of this movement, and we ended that segment by talking about how personal it, it can become. Um, one of the reasons it seems to me that, that it becomes personal is because people in the LGBT community really take that uh, lifestyle um, as their self-identity, and then it mm. begins to shape and impact every other aspect of their lives. Well, it does. And I mean, one of the things that's very, very difficult and problematic there, and I think it's very important um, for good citizens to understand is you've got an individual in your life, a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor, and to say, you know, say their name is Frank, just say, Frank, can I just see you as Frank, my neighbor, you know, Frank, the guy who likes to work on his car, or Frank, you know, the guy that takes good care of his yard, mm -hmm. rather than Frank, the gay guy, mm -hmm. I refuse to reduce you to your sexuality. I want to see you for Frank, the fullness of your humanity, the fullness of who you are, the wonder of who you are. And it's interesting because when you say that kind of thing, and first of all, that is an inherently Christian point of view. Mm. You know, we can't, we can't say, you know, Frank the sailor, Frank the carpenter, Frank the, he's like, you know what, I'm more than a carpenter, I'm more than a sailor, I'm, you know, why don't you see me for who I am? And that's exactly the point. Mm -hmm. And so Christians need to say, I, I want to see you and understand, not as your sexuality is your main identity, but Frank as your main identity. Mm. Um, and it's interesting that as you say that, you'll see them like, wow, uh, interesting, that's a good point. And it's good because you're taking a higher view of them than they are taking of themselves, if you will, because they're reducing themselves. You know, I don't want you to, you know, see me as, as Glenn the heterosexual mm -hmm. um, or Glenn the father of five kids. You know, there's all kinds of true things about me. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't want you to do that to me. I'm not going to do that with you. And can, can we be cool with that? Mm. Um, and that's very, very important, this issue of identity and not reducing one's identity to, you know, a, a subset of who they are. In this issue, um, you, you've talked so far about individual, you know, interpersonal relationships. Um, how do we see that flow over into the business community? Let's talk about public policy in just a second, but let's talk first about into the business community, um, identifying with, you know, a fellow employee or an employer to employee relationship. Yeah, I mean, that's very, very, very important. And, and first of all, we need to understand everybody that we work with has dignity, has value. They bring things to, you know, the, the, the job site, to the work world. 
and that we must see everybody as God sees them in the sense of um, this is a person that I created and they exist today because I want them to exist today. You know, I mean, God sustains us every day mm-hmm. um, because of his will and desire for us. But, and so we need to treat everybody that way. Um, be their friend. Be kind to them. Be gracious to them. Think highly of them, even perhaps more highly than they think of themselves. But that doesn't mean, again, that we have to agree with everything about them. I, I like to use the illustration on you know, the, the gay sexual issue with cohabitors. You know, it's like, okay, you can't agree that, you know, these people are living together without marriage, but you can be kind to them, you can be nice to them, and when they expect and demand that you agree with them on cohabitation, you know, how do you interact in a situation like that? I mean, most of us know the ins and outs, the, you know, where the fence ends and where the fence starts there. And it's much the same way with the gay issue. It's just the gay issue is more challenging to us because it's it's um, it, it's newer. It's 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 you know it it, it can be more confusing. Mm-hmm. But think about that: the the gay individual or lesbian individual that I work with. Let us pretend as if they're a cohabiting individual. You know, and and how would I, a heterosexual cohabiting individual, and how would I interact with them? Yep, I don't agree with them, and I don't have to go along with them, but I can treat them, you know, I I can treat them without constant judgment, um, you know, and and things like that. And if they ask me how I feel, I'll tell them how I feel. Um, But I can still say, you know what, I care for you as a friend, I care for you as a coworker, And you probably don't agree with my own faith, that I believe that a man raised from the dead, Jesus Christ, or, you know, if you're a Mormon or just whatever, you know, your belief may be, there are things about me that you may think are um, improper. But, you know, why don't I let you have your belief? You have my belief. Don't tell me to sign on to yours, and I'm not going to tell you to sign on to mine, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, it really is. I was thinking of the, the golden rule as you were uh, speaking there, but we have to understand that the golden rule goes both ways. Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. But then when it comes down to you being forced to sign on to somebody else's convictions, you know what? That is where you have to draw the line. And you can even make, if you will, the classically liberal case, like I've been saying, of you know what, I will accept you as a person, I will respect you, I will love you, I will even defend you, but do not make me violate my own conscience, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and and that that's not how we live in community. We mm-hmm. have to learn to live together in, my, in our differences. And I can let you have your differences, I need you to let me have my differences, and call them out on that, mm-hmm. challenge them on that. And so we've just got a couple of minutes here as we come to the end of the program. Uh, what, what would you recommend to folks as they see this develop in public policy? And uh, that they want to be respectful, but they also yeah. want to pr- protect their own personal rights and not be forced to do something against their will. Well, be involved. Be 
involved. Use your voice. You are as much a citizen as anybody else is a citizen, and you do need to speak up. You need to speak up in your workplace. You need to speak up at you know, city council meetings. You need to speak up you know, just at barbecues and you know, kids' baseball games when you're discussing these issues with, um, you know, with, with fellow citizens and know what it is you believe and be able to make that distinction between, listen, I, I love these individuals, but um, I can't be forced to violate my conscience just like you can't be forced to violate your conscience. At the Commonwealth the Policy Foundation, we try to, to approach the issues of, of life, marriage, you know, religious liberty, and physical integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and, say, and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit commonwealthmatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Something to think about that they have not thought about in their little circle, because typically they're always arguing from little, just what I call bumper sticker statements, little talking points. And we need to kind of um, shine the light on those talking points to say that they're merely that and that there are other things to consider. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, and I want to thank you for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. Our goal is to help you better understand the important issues of the day, the issues of life, marriage, and religious liberty. But that isn't all we do. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is working to educate legislators and policymakers about these bedrock values so they can defend them while serving in Frankfurt. We are in regular conversations with state leaders on both sides of the aisle, encouraging them to uphold what Kentuckians like you value. But we need your help. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit group that only exists by the grace of God and the generosity of its donors. Would you consider a donation today to the Commonwealth Policy Foundation so that our work might continue? Please visit our website at commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org. There you'll find some easy ways you can help us accomplish this important work. Again, go to CommonwealthPolicyFoundation.org and consider a gift today. And thanks in advance for any help you can offer. Our thanks to Glenn Stanton for joining us for the program. His book, How to Love Your LGBT Neighbor, is a very helpful resource. Also, you might check out a book by Andrew Walker. It's called God and the Transgender Debate. We hosted Glenn and Andrew for a conference back in 2017. You can find a link to the videos of that conference by finding us on Facebook. Just look for Commonwealth Policy on Facebook. To learn more about the work of the Commonwealth Policy Foundation or find our resources, please visit us at commonwealthmatters.org. While you're there, you might check out our new DVD that includes training on how to run for public office. We need principled Kentuckians to serve their communities and the Commonwealth by holding public office. In our DVD, we try to help you accomplish just that. You'll find a link to it at commonwealthmatters.org. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Brandon Porter.